This life will require you to be steadfast, immovable, strong, and courageous. Though this world says you should get a trophy just for showing up, and there are no winners and losers, you must train to win the prize. You do the hard things. You persevere. You are becoming the man God created you to be. You exercise discipline, the discipline of manliness. Hello, gentlemen, and good day to all of you listening. We're back for our final episode in my definition of what it means to be a man in our definition of masculinity. If you're just joining us for the first time, I suggest you go back and listen to those previous episodes so you can get the big picture of this whole concept of our definition of masculinity and what we're talking about here. And for those of you who've been following along and listening in, just want to say thanks. appreciate you guys joining me for these first uh, few episodes in this first series. If you're finding value in the show so far, I'd really love it if you'd hop onto your podcast platform and leave me a rating and review as it goes a really long way to help the show become the best that it can be. And plus, I'd just love to know what is resonating the most with all of you so far and how to keep making the show better. As I mentioned, this is going to be our final episode in this series on my definition of masculinity, and I think this is actually going to be a really good show because this one is ultimately the result of all the other pillars that we've been talking about being done correctly. So the, the final pillar in this definition of masculinity is this. A man provides value. The value that we create and the value we provide can come in two main ways that I see. There's the value that we provide via our work, so that's a value we're compensated for, And there's also the value that we provide to others via charity, such as volunteering, which is the value we are not compensated for. In both cases, we're providing value, and I ultimately believe that we should be showing up and contributing that value to others by doing both of these things. I mean, what good is it if we can create all the value in the world, financially speaking, um, and acquire a ton of value uh, or, or provide a ton of value to ourselves or our own bank accounts, but we never give anything back to anyone around us. I mean, ultimately, you know, what good is that? And conversely, on the other side of that coin, what good is it if we ultimately give everything we have away and provide everything we have to somebody else or to other people, but then we can't even provide for our own families? Again, I would suggest that there's there's nothing really good that's coming from that either because I don't think that's a very good um representation of what Christians are supposed to be to the world around us if we can't, again, provide for our households, which we're going to talk a little more about in a minute. But the, the idea about providing value, um, this, is, this is one that I think we easily get mixed up in these four pillars. I think this one, uh, particularly for men, uh, while I know women can certainly do this too, but I think men are really guilty of this in that we want to put everybody else first all the time. Um, we feel like it's our duty or an obligation that we need to always put wife, kids, you know, friends, business, whatever first. And we're always putting ourselves last. Um, not for everybody. Again, it's not universal truth, but it's it seems pretty common. But ultimately, if we're always putting others first and we're never taking time to ensure that we're leading ourselves well and taking time to put our own faith first then I don't really think we're able to show up as well in the arena of life as if we do take time to put ourselves first and make sure we are taking that time that we need. So when we don't lead ourselves well, 
we aren't taking time to get our cup filled. You know, when it comes time to pour out into other people, we, we ultimately have nothing to give. This is why this pillar is ultimately last in the order to me when I when I list these out and say that you know a man provides value and this is our final final pillar. This one actually is the the last in the order of priority. We have to put our faith first and we have to lead ourselves well. And then we have to be men of connection. We take time to connect with our families, our friends, other men. We ensure that we're ready and prepared to love and serve via our ability to protect. And we focus on our physical training and our physical conditioning, staying physically fit, like we talked about in the last episode. And then finally, we're men that have something to offer others by providing the value that we've gained through doing all of those other things right. Then we have something to offer our families first, then our employers, and that ultimately makes us more valuable employees so that we're being men who add value to to them and to our churches and communities via volunteering. So let's dig a little more into kind of the uh, the what and the how, um, why I believe this is important, and then how we kind of live this out. Again, I've, you heard me mention already, we have to put our families first in in this uh, providing value. So that comes from 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So first and foremost... And how we provide value as men, it has to go to our families. If we're not providing for them first, the Bible's saying that we're worse than an unbeliever. And this can kind of all go back to an earlier episode that we talked about on connection. Because in connection, we talked about how we're meant to live life with others. And we're supposed to love others. And we're supposed to love at maximum output. So if we're not providing for our families, I think we're ultimately failing on one of the very most basic premises of what it means to be a man because we're supposed to love others. And how are we possibly showing love to others, especially our families, if we can't even provide the most basic needs um, by providing for them in our own household? What's more is the Bible saying we're ultimately worse than unbelievers because The unbelieving world around us even inherently knows that we're supposed to provide for our own household. So if people who don't even claim to believe in God or his word and don't ultimately have a means to live it out even can do this aspect and we can't and we've been given God's word and the means to carry it out through the power of the Holy Spirit who's in us, then we're acting worse than unbelievers act. And the rest of the world is ultimately doing a better job living out God's word than we are if we're not providing for our families. So again, you can hopefully see the importance of providing for our families first in this this list of, of how we add value. So our first priority is providing for our households. And this could really easily be misunderstood that somehow we're intended to give our families every single last want and desire they have. And this is definitely not what I'm advocating for. Providing for our wife or children um, some of their desires is great when we can afford it. You know, being able to give them nice gifts. uh, I I love being able to do that. You know, we just came off Valentine's Day here recently. It's nice when you can buy your wife a nice gift for Valentine's Day and, and spoil her a little bit. Or give your kids that thing that they've really been wanting, that game or that toy or whatever it is. Um, that's great. And I love being able to do that stuff just as much as the next guy. 
But if you're on a tight budget, I want you to be able to take some comfort in the fact that if you can't afford those things, um, that you're still being a, a good man and providing for your home and your household. Um, because I think providing ultimately means providing food, utilities, housing, and transportation. And we're borrowing that from Dave Ramsey. I don't think he'll mind, hopefully. So as long as you're covering these four things, I would tell you, I think you are providing well for your home uh, because these are the main needs that your, your families have, you know, basically food, food, water, shelter, you know, transportation. Um, I would lump clothing, you know, keeping them warm and, and well-fed ultimately into, uh, into the shelter aspect of, of these four walls. You know, these are the things that I think we're really meant to provide for our families um, as like the baseline. And then anything else beyond that is sort of just, just gravy on top, which is again, always fun. It's awesome. I love being able to do that when we can afford it. So this has kind of been the financial side here, providing for our homes, um, there's another way that I think we also provide value and that's by using our talents. So we're being again, good stewards, good managers of our talents. And uh, I think it's important to be using those for other people, providing those as value to other people. And I get that from first Peter four ten, which says as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace in previous episodes you guys have heard me talk about stewardship probably a few times. We're managers of God's resources, and those resources include our time, talent, and treasure. God has given me a certain amount of time, talent, and treasure, and I need to manage it well so that I can give him an account of what I did with it and how I managed what he gave me. If I'm not using these things well and I just either squander it by wasting my time or you know, metaphorically bury it in the ground and kind of only keep all my talent to myself, you know, what good does it do? More importantly, how could I possibly begin to ask God to give me anything more in my life if I'm not already using, you know, what he's given me? So let's kind of look at maybe a hypothetical example here. Maybe you know someone like this or it sounds familiar to you in your life, but I know it might resonate with me for certain points in my life. But let's uh let's go over this example. Let's say that a man is a regular church attender. You show up regularly each week. You're engaged in the message. Maybe you even attend Sunday school or a weekly small group. You chime in from time to time when you're there. Um, but ultimately, you kind of know deep down, you're mostly just there to keep the seat warm. You arrive at services on time, sure, but you also leave pretty quickly after the service is done. You don't really complain about anything. Not really. But you're also not really as involved as you know you could be. You'd like to have some more opportunities to be doing something in the church, but no one ever seems to ask. You kind of even start thinking, maybe this isn't the church for me. Maybe I need to find somewhere else. You know, maybe I need to find a place where there are more opportunities to serve. And maybe you even start praying about God using you where you want to be serving, which I don't think is a bad thing. But in the meantime, while you're going through all of this, are you really using the gifts you have to serve where you are? Are you taking advantage of every opportunity or are you making opportunities for yourself where there don't seem to be any, you know, are you sitting back and wanting the opportunities to come to you? You know, I'd say, and I've had to say this to myself, if you're not deliberately jumping in and finding or making opportunities then you're not really using the gifts God has given you completely and you're not 
absolutely stewarding those gifts like you should. And again, let me reiterate, I've had to say this to myself. You know, the the passage that I read, that first Peter 4.10, uh, I know you can probably see it just like I can, that this is a, a verse talking about spiritual giftings. And I absolutely believe that those gifts are a part of how we add value to those around us. You know, not everything, like I said, as at the start of this point, not everything is, is just financial um, or financial value add to ourselves or what how we give back. I believe it's actually even more important to be using spiritual gifts and adding value via those means than just increasing a financial portfolio. You know, it's also important to be using the financial side of the equation to serve others. But again, we can talk about that one in just a little while. What we're getting at right now is using our gifting that we have received to provide value to others around us, whether in our homes or, or communities. So let's start here. If you're someone who maybe isn't quite sure how you should be adding that value and how you should be utilizing that for someone else, do you know what you're good at? If you're a believer, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If not, I'd recommend you do a Google search for spiritual gift tests, and I'm sure you'll find a variety of them for free. Spiritualgiftstest.com is just one example. You know, I'd recommend if you want to take that, you set aside about 10 minutes or so to take the assessment, but it is pretty thorough. And I'll even offer another way to, to do this test and to ensure you're getting good results. Get your wife or someone you, who knows you really well to take the test for you on your behalf in addition to you doing it for yourself. Because um, they they know a lot about you and there's things they'll observe about you that maybe you don't even know about yourself. And they might answer some of those questions a little bit differently than you do. You know, this can sometimes yield results that you don't expect um, because we often underrate ourselves in certain aspects and probably overrate ourselves in others. Another way I would suggest that you can figure out how to give of your, your time and talent is to just think about what you like to do. You know, if you like hiking and camping, then maybe you'd think about offering to take people out you know, on little camping outings and teach them how to camp if they're unfamiliar with that. You know, if you enjoy reading, maybe you'd be interested in starting a book club or doing a book of the month with some friends. You know, digging deeper with people that way. Um, that can be a, a real value add to other people to, to build that community. You know, just taking anything that you're passionate about and finding a way to use it to add value to others. I mean, that's another great way just to start diving into this aspect of using your your time and talents to add value to other people. Now, coming back to the financial side and kind of how we add value through our work. You know, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You know, sometimes that value that we're adding to society or even to ourselves um, and the way we, we grow our value as men does come simply through showing up at work and doing our jobs. It's making a living and being faithful with what God's given us to accomplish in that day. You know, if you're anything like me, you often think that the way you add value needs to be far more grandiose and far more, you know, maybe noble than just showing up to work. You know, sometimes I, again, can certainly underrate the value that just showing up at work really adds. But I do truly believe just faithfully showing up to work and adding value by doing what you said you would do when you accepted the job you have is certainly adding value. Especially as you look around these days, you know, you, one of the biggest complaints I hear from other business owners that I talk to is that they, they just can't find people 
who will show up to work and do the job they were hired for. So if you're showing up regularly, on time, working a full day, staying until the, the day's done and when it's time to clock out, I would encourage you don't underestimate or underrate the value that you're adding. Man, but you don't understand my work situation, you might say. You know, you don't work for my boss. He is so difficult. He's so unfair. And while I may not be in your exact job or your exact circumstances, I can certainly tell you that I have had similar experiences in my past. I absolutely know what it's like to work in a place where you're unhappy with your work or feel that you're being treated unfairly. What's more, I've gone through it all and handled it completely wrong. I've been angry. I've been bitter, resentful. You know, I've, I've struggled with a lot and struggled quietly without getting any kind of support. I've allowed it to affect my work, you know, with those bad attitudes um, and the effort that I put into my job. But I will say, fortunately, God did get a hold of me in that and has taught me how to handle those things correctly and to change my behavior because we are called to work heartily or with enthusiasm as if we're working for God himself. The command isn't dependent on our situations, such as maybe how much we like our job or how well our boss treats us. We're just called to work with enthusiasm in our jobs, as though our jobs couldn't matter more to God's kingdom. So again, be able to show up to work, work heartily, ask the Lord and not for men. Even if you are in a rough situation, maybe you're just unhappy in your your job role and you're wanting something more, something that's more fulfilling, or maybe you do have a boss that's unfair, show up and give every last ounce of effort to the job you have, because it's ultimately going to be preparing you for that new job that you are super excited and passionate about. Or if you can, again, sacrifice you know yourself and give to a job and a boss that maybe is treating you unfairly, uh, maybe that's going to be something that impacts him and helps him change and sees kind of the error in his own ways. And if nothing else, I would be willing to bet other people are going to take notice of how you show up and the good attitude that you have when it's not warranted by your boss. And that might draw them to have some questions about how you can act that way and how you can live like that. And uh, maybe it just gives you opportunity to, again, add value to them via sharing your belief systems and your belief in Christ with them. So don't underestimate the impact that showing up with enthusiasm and working heartily in a job can make in other people's lives. Now, here's another one that we can get into on adding value to others via our our finances or via what we have. 1 John 3.17 But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I believe another way that we add value to our communities and society as a whole is by giving back. And this might mean donating goods or time and effort to projects like you know, building a home with a nonprofit. Or it might look like helping a person who we just know is in need. But this one can get tricky, and I think there are some precautions we need to have in place where giving to others is concerned. Because I absolutely believe we should be giving to others who are in need. But I think the question for me is why they're in need. Because the Bible does also say that he who doesn't work doesn't eat. And that's in Second Thessalonians 3.10. 
And I just generally don't really like to give to the person I just see begging on the street. Not to say I never would, but it's pretty rare. Because ultimately, I don't know them from Adam. I know I don't know why they're in the position they're in. And I really don't want to support a bad habit. You know, if I'm if I'm going to donate to people who are just needy, um, need meals or something like that, um, but I don't know, then I want to give to a good nonprofit that's qualifying those needs because that nonprofit's going to make sure that those are people who are, are working or or will help them get a job and you know make sure that they're not just using the money for things like drugs or alcohol or just taking a handout. You know, they're they're giving those who want to work and put the work into their lives a hand up. The other way that I like to give is just to people I know well. You know, when when we're in a relationship together and I know you and I know your character, I'm more than happy to give if you're just having a hard time. You know, there there are times, you know, maybe we want to give a little more discreetly, um, which case then I, I might suggest, you know, giving money to the local church who you can say, hey, I know this person who's in need. I want you to you know, take this money and give this much to them. So that way you can kind of give anonymously. Um, but we ultimately need to be showing up, loving others um, through action, not just through words and emotional support only. Although I will say again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, if you're on that tight budget and you just don't have the money, there's nothing wrong with giving via emotional support and just kind of through action as well, just by maybe just showing up and being there to support somebody. And I don't believe you are supposed to give from an empty well. You know, really, you know, again, talking about this place of being in a tight budget. If you're in that difficult time financially and you can't afford to give, I really, really don't think you should be leveraging debt to give to either the church, an organization, or other individuals. You know, if your budget can't make it through what we talked about earlier in those four walls, you know, food, utilities, housing, transportation, you really shouldn't be trying to give financially to others. So again, don't give from an empty well. You know, if, if you're financially drained and you can't give, then find another way. Like I said, emotional support, show up and fix something for somebody. It doesn't cost you anything financially, but don't be giving from an empty well. But coming back to this point, if you have, I think we should be looking for those opportunities to give to other people and to help provide for those needs. And finally, I see Mark 4.25. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This passage in Mark is talking about spiritual truth. But again, I believe one day I will have to give an account of how I manage God's resources. So I think this one kind of speaks for itself. We don't want to live in a way that would cause God to want to take back what he's given us to manage. I can mismanage the time, talent, and treasure that I have been given, or maybe worse, just let things fall apart because I didn't care for them well, or I can try with all my effort to use all those things to the best of my ability and improve on those gifts and use them to benefit and support other people. So in conclusion to our series on my definition of masculinity and what makes a man a man, a man provides value. We provide for our family first. We show up faithfully to work and do the job required of us, regardless of the circumstances of that job. We work to improve ourselves professionally, to add value to our employers, and we seek to give back from the excess that we've gained through adding value by providing for the needs of others in a responsible way. I know some of you that are listening, and for those of you that I know, you are men of value. 
You are valuable to me and to our communities. You are sharp, intelligent, and men of emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and physical strength. You make society better by being in it and showing up the way you do. And we have another gear. We can go deeper, stronger, faster, harder. There's another level yet to be attained. God is not done with us yet. So continue on this path with me as we seek to attain another level. And let's encourage each other on in the discipline of manliness.